I've got 30 minutes on the audio, so I'll have to stop halfway through. Uh, we'll start in two seconds. Everyone know what we're talking about, yeah? Mm -hmm. Kind of. Okay. Hello and welcome back to the Post-Match Pint. This week we're joined again by Mr. George Paxton. Hello. And Mr. Marcus Tembe. Uh, this week we're, we're sponsored again, boys. We're going up in the world, <laughs> or, we, or we like to think we're going up in the world. Uh, Tom from Circa 88 uh, Football Shirts has happily sent us a box of mystery shirts. Um, I've been in contact with Tom for a while now, um, basically just talking about the plans that we have for the channel over the next kind of few months, and Tom was more than happy to send us a box. Um, so yeah, the boys do. I've already looked at the shirts. The boys have no clue um, what the shirts are. Um, I've got a list of like teams and facts and things like that, um, and the boys are going to guess what's going to happen. Um, for the people on the podcast, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see the shirts. Um, so head over to our YouTube channel um, at the, uh, the Post Match Pine, and you'll be able to see them. Um, before we do go any further, I must say as well, like click subscribe and the anchor uh, bell button and you'll be able to see when we're, uh, we're uploading. All right. All right, let's get, get into this. I'm really That's excited nice. for this. I've seen these shirts, right, and Tom's been very, very nice to us. So I've got like a little fax list. Okay, I'm not going to be able to see. <laughs> nice, very secretive. We'll go right to the middle of the box so no one's cheating. We'll go... This one first. Oh, right. Oh, hello. For the people on the podcast, it oh. is a yellow and black Nike jersey. For the people on YouTube, you can see that from just oh, moving yeah. that across as well. well. Which team? Can you see? <laughs> yeah, that's can you see? Class. Right, boys. Put that behind us here. Marcus Tembe, what is the team? <laughs> <laughs> gonna test you. This is uh, going to test your knowledge. Can we just take a look at the Oh, <laughs> all right. I yeah. think I think it's mines. You know, they're a really I'm, I'm real gonna, traditional club in Germany. I'm I'm gonna say it's Dortmund. Okay, George. Dortmund. I'm, well. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree. Good decision. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a tough one, but I'll have to agree with you. What year? What year is the shirt from? Is that too good? No, no, no. That's on every dot. Is it on every yeah. dot? Is it found in 2009? I don't know, actually, why. Probably 1909. Yeah. Oh. It's quite a big historical <laughs> thing. Right, come on. Uh, this, is, this is how you know that Tembi only watches Premier League. Yeah, yeah. It must be. Uh, oh, I don't know. You know, that could be like 2005. 2005. Five. I feel that's not I'm going time between like 95 and 2000. I think it's quite an old one. 95 and 2000, so five year gap. Right. <laughs> Let's narrow it down a little bit. All right, okay. 96 to 98. Ooh, okay. Ooh. Can we name a famous player that played in the team that wore the shirt? Ah, no. Right, it is a Borussia Dortmund 1998 to 2000 shirt. So George got a fair, year right. No players see. obviously didn't play in this kit. Jens Lehmann, goalkeeper. Yeah, oh, was at that time. All right, right. Next one. We'll go this one. This lovely striped number. It's got to be. Oh, it's not. I thought it was a United shirt. So for the people on YouTube, it is this shirt. Can I see? Nice, For the people on the podcast, it is a red and white shirt. 
Not Sunderland, I will point out, guys. Okay. No Mac, no Mackham's here. No Mackham's here. We'll put that there. Marcus Tember, yeah. what is the team? Olympiakos. George Patrick. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't like to talk about Olympiakos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm having flashbacks <laughs> now. What's the team, George? It's Olympiakos. It is, you are correct. Can we name the year? It's founded. No, no. When uh, this year, this year. I was going to say, I was like, I fancy my chances Tembi, there. <laughs> maybe in about 10 minutes, Tembi will get the aim of what he's yeah, been asked. I, I think, all right, I'm, I'm thinking it's got to be around, I'm going 98. It's quite similar to that one. Go on. I'm going to go 2004. You had a complete swish that time. I'm going to say, can you mention a player that played in the shirt? Can I mean, right, I'm, three players. I'm, Socrates. I was I was going to say him, you know, Socrates, yeah. Socrates isn't on my list, but I'm assuming at some point he probably did play in the Olympiacos. All right, so the year. Did you this say? Yes, you did. 2004, I said. Okay, the year is 2002 to 2003. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm on fire today with this. And Tom from Circa 18 has put notable players as Christian Karumbiu. Never heard of him. Nope. And Stelisos <laughs> Wow, try to say this when you're pissed. Guiananakopoulos. That's a traditional Greek game. Yeah, well, that's a, it's a Greek name, but try and say it when you've had a few beers. It's just not going to happen, is it? Anyway. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what the Greek's like. It's not a name unless it's got ten letters in it. This shirt I had when I was a little oh. whippersnapper. Oh. oh. Hello. I, had the, I, had, I had that shit as well. For the people on... Tom, Tom has been very kind to us Tom with these shirts, nice. actually. For the people on the podcast, it is a... Bluey Navy? Navy. Yeah, Navy. Navy and Red. Burgundy, I think. Navy and Burgundy. Yes, let's say that. I'm trying to think of a team that plays in Navy Burgundy colours. We did. A few years ago. Not that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there isn't any. Talk to me. Who is this team? Robertus. Who's the team? Right, Barca, I'm taking the win. Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> George is going Fettis. No, you can have one. You can have one. Well, you're gonna, we you're obviously gonna need... know it's Barcelona. He's, right? he's, he's going to need one. <laughs> what is the year? I actually had this shit, so I've, oh, I want to say. I was saying, I used to have this when I was a young whippersnapper. I actually quite old when I had this yeah, shit. I, 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 I reckon this has got to be like 2013 season. I'm going to go 2011. <laughs> Can we name a notable player? Thierry Henry. Danny Alves. Oh, yeah, Danny Alves is a bit of an easy one, man. I thought you were both going to say Lionel Messi. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Barcelona shirt from the 2011-2012 season. And Tom's actually put his notable players of where do we start? <laughs> Which is fair enough. Yeah, there was a lot of good players in that team. Both played at that time. Where do we start? And, and plus Danny Alves. And, and Danny Alves, yeah. Yeah. Right, on to the next one. This one. Now you might remember during the last shirt unboxing, we had this shirt. Is it is it the same one? No, no, it's not the same one. It's a blue and white kind of block. What what do you call them? Block panelled shirt. You know the black and white ones you wore for PE when you were at school. Literally that. Yeah. Just that, but with blue. Uh, there is no name. No ocean blue. Like, what's that thing on the? It's like. Oh, is it? oh, it's like a saying, like a motto of some sort. Is it not the sponsor? Great C Le Oh, yeah, it's like, well, like, 
I think it's well, French. Well, French. <laughs> anyway, George Baxton, what is the team? Rovers, Blackburn Rovers. I'm going to agree with Also Blackburn yeah. Rovers. What is the year? The question is, how does this one compare to the Shearer one? Is this older or is this newer? That's my hold up at the moment. I think this is newer. Mm. Newer? I'm going to go 2003-04. I'm going 2001. I'm pretty confident. Do we have any notable players? Morgan Gantz Pedersen. I, th- I think he was a bit... He was the bit, time that yeah. George said. He played at the time that George said. For, oh, is that long ago? Wow. Uh, wait, wait, when did you say? 2004? I said 2003 or four. Yeah. Was he there now? I don't know. Wow. Jesus Christ. I, I feel old. I'm pretty sure. I feel very old. Uh, Shearer. Was Shearer still there? He went Shearer. This is a Blackburn Rovers shirt from 1996 to 1998. So it's actually the year after Shearer, the Shearer shirt. Uh-huh. Notable players, Thomas Pope, Jason Wilcox, and Chris Sutton. You'll know Chris Sutton from Hundred yeah. Oh, yeah, fair, fair. Next one. Lovely. Now then. For the people on the podcast, it is a red shirt with black and white stripes. Also, not not like Manchester United or anything like that. It's pretty. pretty I thought that was a proper retro United shirt. Though. It's an Adidas it's shirt. It's sponsored by Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, red with white, white and black and white and black and stripes. We'll put that there. George, what is the team? It's uh, FC Kiln. I'm going to be honest, I thought it was Frankfurt. So that that was actually... Frankfurt? I reckon he's right though, because he he watches Bundesliga right now. It's not just Premier League, we know. Okay, what year? This looks old. Yeah. This does look old. It's very old. It's definitely before the 90s. I'm going to go... 1987-88 I think it's quite I think it's quite old I think it's 94 94 okay this shirt is a Kaiserslautern shirt from 1996 to 1998 and I'm not even going to ask you the Nova players because it's Olaf Marshall what league are they in Kaiserslautern should we have a
I reckon it's even more recent than that. I, I'm going to say... Yeah. 20, 20, I think it could be about 2016, this one. Notable players. Mm, oh, there's Tevez there, then. I don't think Tevez did no. join until... When was it? No, Tevez was before 2016, surely. No, I don't think Tevez joined until like 20. Um, Five seconds. Pavon. I'm going to tell us. Argentine. Okay. Winger. This is a Boca Juniors 2018 to 2020 shirt. Oh, well, yeah. Definitely not Tevez. So it's pretty new. Notable players. It's Tevez, isn't it? Carlos Tevez. Uh, <laughs> and Pavon. Hey. Well done, Mr. George Paxton. I think we'll leave them there for the whole episode, lads. I like them. Should we spread them out? Yeah, we'll put them a little bit everywhere. Right, you put some behind you. I'll put like this one here. I'm going to leave it like that. Let's get in the darkest one. Bit of a backdrop. I like it. Uh, yeah, thank you very much to Tom again from Circa 88. If you want any football shirts, be it new or old, he's got loads of South American stuff in stock at the minute, then I'll put the link in the description. Just click on that. Um, and also follow him on Instagram as well. Uh, yeah, thanks again that, for that, Tom. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, let's get on to the main body of the podcast now. Um, we're going to be talking who are the real winners and losers of the 2020-21 Premier League season. We have kind of touched on this in the um, team of the season kind of review. Um, but I felt like we needed to sit down and talk about who were actually the losers, mainly. And I, then, think that, I think we've talked about it in a range of podcasts, to be fair. Like, yeah, we have, but we've never really like proper touched on it to the point where we've gone into loads of depth. Um I think I think a good thing to do is um, get the Premier League table up to start with, and look where we are now. Um, have you boys got anyone to put out there to start with that you want to, you know, give a well, give a big mention to? I think. Do we start from the top? Um, should we go from the winners down, to, or should we go from like, the top down to the bottom and go that way? Yeah, we can do. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Winners, we may as well start with yeah. who are inevitably going to be the winners of the Premier League this season. Man City. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of an interesting one because you think about the team and how they were playing at the start of the season. They were they were losing games. They weren't consistent. They were playing very similar to Liverpool, Mm. which is why the title was so open at the start. And I think there's been like nine or ten leaders of the Premier League this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and City weren't that great at the start like Stones was making mistakes like Diaz hadn't even been bought and then obviously it took him a little bit of time to settle in there were defensive errors like Kyle Walker was all over the shop um Gundogan only really came into form in like the middle middle like third of the season I'd say um so it I think it really has and I think Pep said in an interview we did with Sky or BT um a few a couple of months ago now that he looked at the team and he said he just didn't like it. Yeah, it, he didn't. He didn't like it. And then they then they went to more of like a false nine. Well, sort of well like we say, we're not forgetting that that at the start of the season they wasn't rubbish, but they were they were pretty poor. I'll they were it. below the standards we expect of Man City yeah. in, in especially with the times, signings yeah. they brought in. It was literally. It was that I remember that interview was after the West Brom game when they drew one all. I'll uh, I'll put somewhere on screen uh, like the first few results that City had, and you'll be able to see just how bad they actually were, yeah. um, and the turning point that they had with maybe like the first five fixtures I'll put. But yeah, they were they were bad to start with to the point where we kind of saw them where Liverpool are now. Like we we said watching like the first few games, didn't we? Like Liverpool uh, City could fall to like. 
outside Champions League place. They were they were playing that bad at the yeah. time. It's easy to keep to talk about the top lot, and we will mm. move down the Premier League table. But we knew coming into the season, apart from the first few games where it was a bit of a blip, that City were going to provide this season. Um, I think what's good about this podcast is, and this episode in particular, we can talk about the really finer details. Um, so, like for example, City. It's not just the team. It's Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola who's, who's turned up again this year. He's going to be in another Champions League final. It's Man City's owners and the board that have decided that they want to pull their finger out and buy Diaz. It's Cancelo who's turned into a completely different player under Pep Guardiola and is now playing like an attacking midfielder slash fullback. I think with City it's important and it, it's a good lesson that other owners should look at is the importance of trusting your manager. So obviously... Jose Mourinho, yeah, he's he's a really uh, marmite sort of manager. Like you either love him and you you respect him, or like maybe you 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 might think he's a little bit of a dinosaur. Like I think he is very like split mm-hmm. down the middle now. Yeah. Um, but you, just one style, isn't but it? you but yeah. you you talk about or United uh, fans and pundits. They talk about how he wanted a defender a couple of years ago. And United were like, no, like we're not buying this like 31, 32 year old defender. And I get Diaz is young. I get he's he's it's an investment where they're most if they do sell him in a couple of years, they're highly likely now to get a lot of money, more money than the sixty odd million they paid for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it really just showed the importance of having a manager you trust. So then you're more willing to if if the manager comes back to you and says. I need this player. He's going to cost seventy million, but if I get him, I can win you the league. I um, think one thing that's gone like unnoticed this this year, particularly with Pep Guardiola and Man City, is the fact that he's been able to bench some of his best players: Sterling, Gundogan, Foden. Mm. Um, yeah, but Diaz he shows the squad depth. That, that's the but thing this year. They, they've had the squad depth. You're like, forgetting that when when them players are sat on the bench. He's bringing in the likes of Zinchenko and stuff like that and going, look, you are my number one for the tonight's mm. game. And Zinchenko's got the confidence to go on the pitch after missing, what, maybe a max of three to four games. Another another example skip. of um, players who have transformed is Zinchenko this year. I think at the start of the season, there was a lot of talk about him going out in January to like in Everton or something like that. But now... Um, He's he's really he's really shown his worth, and yes, I know they've got Cancelo who can play left back, and he he goes into that centre mid position. But I think Zinchenko has actually shown to Pep that he's good enough to stay at Man City for the next few years. And the same with Stones; he's really resurrected his Absolutely. career this season. What do you, what do you have to add about City? Well, I think that every single year City have had the sort of mentality where they can just buy literally every single player in the market, and just they've always had that same issue that. Whenever it's got a big key player's got injured, like company, they've been bad at the back. Or if someone, if a big player's out, Aguero's not missing, then all of a sudden they have an issue with the striker. Yeah. Like, this is the first year where the rotation, I've never ever, I don't think anyone's ever seen rotation quite Heavy like rotation. it. You look at the Liverpool team that won the season, that team played together every single game effectively. Yeah. And then not playing together, like, you can see it. Liverpool have had something like 13 or 14 different centre-back combinations this season. Mm-hmm. And that's why they've been leaking goals. Yeah. Whereas you look at City side of things and he knows that if he takes out Cancelo and brings in Chinchenko, brings in Walker, brings in Mendy, Laporte, 
Diaz, the only defender. Ake. That, the only he can, person, he can play left back Ake's as well. the only person who I think is the one where it's a bit like, ooh, like... He's a bit not confident. Yeah, like, he's the only person in that team where you could switch him out and you'll notice a difference. I think he's he's going he's gonna to take time to adjust as well. But one yeah. person that we haven't mentioned who has been City's best player over the last few months is Maraz. Yeah, yeah so, oh yeah. People, I, rem- I remember saying this for you last, not last year, the season, season before last, where Maraz got slated because he came in for 60 million and he didn't really do much. Mm-hmm. He came and did a match uh, match one performance in the game that won them the league yeah. um, that same season. Um, but that just shows like the, the economic he's one of that players, City, City played. He's one of those players, like now. a big game player that just particularly doesn't play amazing all season. But he will he's had that out, consistency this second half of the season. He will put out That's 10 out of 10's majority of the game. Yeah. And he, sometimes plays a 10 out of 10 like he did against uh, PSG. PSG and yeah. I just turned it on. Uh, we, we, can, we can continue talking about City for hours and hours and then... Um, Noble mention for me, Phil Foden's mm-hmm. now becoming one of the best young players in the world. He's, he is, he's, he's, he's the best young player. Um, in the world. Let's move on to Manchester United. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's what I'm going to do, and I hate doing it. He's proved himself this year. He's proved himself this year. This whole PE teacher vibe's gone out the window. Um, he's tactically more more adapting to the game. Mm. He knows how to use his players better than what he did. I think that a lot of that comes with the backroom stuff that he's got in. They've obviously got better. Um, the players that he's got at the helm are, are one year on, Rashford, Bruno, uh, Greenwood, uh, Cavani, who's been excellent this year. Um, Charles, players who you thought were a doubt last season to, uh, have, have, have proved themselves this year. Yeah, Fred, sure. Fred's, a main, Fred's a main example, I'd say, yeah. sure as the well. The weird thing is with Man United this season, you look at the transfers and you don't go, like, you bring in Tellez, you bring in Donny, uh, like, obviously Henderson came back from loan. Cavani's the exception, said that he's been absolutely great. Nah, Henderson's but, our main keeper like, now. Henderson, the thing is, though, but obviously Henderson's only been the main keeper for the last, what, six, seven games. Prior to that, obviously, it was all De Gea. But then you look at Donny van der Vee, you look at Tellez, and you'd be like, ooh, those are two signings which really haven't worked out. But on the other flip side of it, you've now got Pogba who has to compete for a position. Mm-hmm. So if you notice, Pogba's been playing out of his skin, um, obviously playing game after game. And same with Shaw. Like, I think everyone can agree that Tellez has brought the best out of Shaw. Like, we would probably have not had that Shaw performance because, no disrespect to Brandon Williams, but Sean doesn't need to put in an A-game performance to maintain his squad position. Not Brandon. forget as well, they're in a Europa League final. Right? Exactly. Yeah. They, they Rio, really Rio Ferdinand's well. also banged on about this for years, saying that, like, just because you've got a great squad of players, that doesn't mean that you don't go out and buy anybody. Like, obviously nobody expected Sean to have the season that they had, mm. but the fact that Tellers came in, Sean obviously, well, I'm assuming he would have then known Right, this is a really good le- attacking left back who's come in. Like, I need to, I need to be on my game, and I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's the reason that Shaw's played out of his skin. And obviously, it looked like he gets on really, really well with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, but I think he's he's played out of his skin because he knows he's competing against another top level left back. And yeah. I think with some, when you look at some of the other clubs in the league, that's the problem they've got where. Yes, they have like one like world class or amazing player in one position, but they know they don't have anybody competing with yeah, them. I think, uh, yeah, I think a good thing to say is as well um, that has been a standout for Manchester United season this year is is the fans as well for protesting the other day. That was 
that was unprecedented in football. You hardly ever see that anymore. Um, it's quite clear they shit up the Glazers. Um, they've come out and wrote, uh, written an open letter to um, like a, a supporters club, supporters trust for Manchester United. Mm. Um, they need to keep doing it though. Let's let's talk about that a bit, obviously, because we've we've not me and Sam have obviously talked spoke about it. What does that mean for you, and what does that mean for? What do you think that means for football? And again, obviously, I'll add on the the overlays of the images from what happened uh, the other days. If people have missed out on it, I'm delighted that United fans did it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I know what it's like to absolutely detest that the owners that you have. Yeah. Um, I just hope they continue to do it because it's gonna take. It's a long battle. I think it's it's gonna have. It's going to take years of not not years, but it's going to t- take a considerable amount of time for it to actually start to harm the Glazers because just with the way they are, you know that they do not give a crap about the club, mm-hmm. and you know that just the odd game mm-hmm. like isn't really going to affect them too much. Well, they'll, they'll be expecting it to be like, oh yeah, give them a couple of weeks, it'll yeah. die down. But I hope yeah. that, I hope that they keep doing it. Yeah, they've got to keep that constant pressure. Yeah, it's it certainly rumbled, rumbled the uh, the camp, the Glazers camp on it, which is a good thing. Well, that, that's the thing, really. Like you look at it and you just like the when obviously Glazer put his name on it. There was when Neville gave that. I guess that when he gave that first speech about the Super League, yeah, and he was basically saying just how as soon as he knows how determined the Glazers are, like as soon as he puts his name on it. That's game over. Like he's gonna do everything in his power United, to push it United through. did a statement like, ages ago. I think it was shortly after Big Picture, and it was a club statement, but they didn't put a name on it. And I remember Gary's Gary, never put Gary, his name on anything. Gary, no. Gary never made a really good point about it, saying like you may as well have not put anything out at all if you're not gonna put a name on it. Yeah. Because the point of putting out the statement is for somebody to show some accountability, who who is representative for the actions of the club. So obviously, when you put something with no name on it it's it's worthless and like it's not that's the thing yeah it just totally shows like the fact that they know they've messed up they've they got themselves in that position and the fact that no one can take any accountability for any action like actually getting a written letter that's a massive step forward it obviously the way it's gone to now it'll be interesting to see what happens next because obviously the liverpool fixture coming up again really mm. this week i don't i haven't heard if anything's happening coming up in the news but like I can't imagine they'll repeat it again. No. I think there'll be there'll be increased security this time because um, I know that the I've seen footage from the stewards who let the fans in. Yeah, and apparently this is because the club didn't want conflict between stewards and the fans, especially in the COVID world that we that we are still in. Even though it's a lot, it's a lot. I think that's a lot of bollocks. I think they're Man United fans and they want the glares out just as much as everyone else does. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But the stewards let them in because they wanted it to be peaceful. They didn't want it so like damage was done. So like yeah, and I think the people that went on the pitch and like the guy that was smashing cameras and stuff like that—that's when it gets taken too far. That—that's when it loses its credibility for me when they're mm. starting to damage equipment which has nothing to do like, with the actual. It, it has nothing to do with course. like like damaging cameras, which are probably owned by like Sky Sports or any of the broadcasters that were. Um, that were there that day, like that, that doesn't help your cause whatsoever. One thing I do hope, because I'm assuming we're going to move on from United in a minute. Yeah. I hope they sign Harry Kane. I hope so. I, I think, I think, I think Harry. I, I think Harry. I think Harry Kane can win them the league. I think they've got the squad, but they need that. Yes, they've got Bruno. Yes, they've got Rashford, who is 
there's there's been highs and lows in Rashford season, mm-hmm. but I feel like with Harry Kane, you're getting a winner. I think he'd be happy for the move, obviously moving away from Spurs, but you can also continue to chase these mm, uh, these goal-scoring records. And I, I, I just think it'll be a, a match made in heaven. And it's, he, he I don't even, it. I don't even think it's yeah, because I hate Spurs it. or anything like that. Mm. I, just, I just really, really weirdly like the idea of Harry Kane in the Manchester United shirt. I just feel like it's, it's. It just fits well on all right. levels. You have a lot of English players all together in one squad, which you've got to think has got to do well for us yeah. going forward. And then on the other fact that you've got, like, Harry Kane can't send his career at Tottenham. Like, I think I think this season sort of proved it. Like, well, obviously we'll get on to it um, with Tottenham and how they've done this year. But you look at it and you're going, that for him to compete, for him to win trophies, because... For him, for a player of his standard and his level to walk out with not, without any trophies or anything notable, silver, it is smooth, it? Yeah, more trophies than he's stayed at Norwich. Uh, let's yeah. move on then to another um, team now. We'll move on to Chelsea. Right then, on to Chelsea. Um, Marcus, I think you're a good place to start with this. I, mm. Well, I think what we're doing is we're going into too much details about the clubs. Mm. Uh, we've only done two clubs at the minute. I think we should start really pinpointing the the catalysts for this year. This year. So, yeah. the losers for Chelsea this year for me, Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, his time had just come to an end. I think if the fans were in the grounds... They w- he would have probably made it to the end of the season, I think. I, the thing is, like any Chelsea fan, no one wanted to see Lampard go. I think it's one of those where you accepted it was the right decision. But anyone who had grown up the same period as me, like Lampard, and it's up there with obviously Drogba is my favourite, but after that, it's got to be Lampard. Mm-hmm. Like to have one of your boyhood heroes manage your club, you always want them to do well. But it was very much the case of with every little signs we brought in, like at the start of the season, the amount of hype around us and everyone literally saw us and were like, right, Chelsea are going to win the league. Yeah. Now, I always had that slight worry that it was going to be like Tottenham after they sold Bale in the sense that they just got a load of players in who, even though we brought in a lot more quality than that Tottenham team did, it's still going to be a massive adjusting period. And unfortunately, Lampard's really um, had to, burden with all that I think a lot of people forget like obviously we're moving to the the positives of this year Mm. I think a lot of people forget that this is all the the big players in your team's first season Werner Havertz Saech Chilwell Chilwell I've I've said this countless times that buying that many players never works Mm. you've seen it you've seen it with the Gareth Bale money for Tottenham. Yeah. You've seen it with the Luis Suarez money for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously they've got the good example of Coutinho money, but they went out and they bought two players which changed the team. If you buy that many players, it messes up the dynamic of the team. Yeah. And there's there's too many variables which you can't predict. Like not every player is going to hit the ground running. United did it. I think it was when they, they bought like Schneiderlin, Schweinsteiger. I think it was Shaw that season. Yeah. They, they bought loads of players and they were like, yeah, like Just you, yeah. You know, United the favourites to win, win the league. When you buy more than, I'd say, like four players who you expect to go straight into the starting eleven. It just really it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't work. Like, you, you need a world class manager. That's that the board. one thing I would say. Like looking at the season before when we had all the derby players in, effectively, like you should have seen like some of the football we were playing. Even though we didn't get results, like I remember seeing against City and we played United in a couple. I think it was a couple of finals, and it like yeah we lost, but wow, like some of the football we were playing was really really good. 
And obviously, you bring in someone like, you're playing Werner out of position. Obviously, Werner is looking more and more like a left winger almost every day, the less of an actual striker. But then you look at someone as like Havertz. Havertz was being played in centre mid, and it's like, He's not, he's not a centre-mid, he's, he's, he's a false nine. Like now we play him as like an actual false nine centre-forward position. Look how well he's playing. That's, like, that's how he played. That's why he played for Leverkusen. Yeah. One thing I'd say is uh, a loser for Chelsea, Calvin Sibondoy. What's happened with him? Let's, yeah. let's start doing this then. So your main, your main winner and your main loser from the team. So mm. yours is Calvin Hudson-Odoi. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say your main loser is Calvin Hudson-Odoi because yeah. of how highly rated he's been. Yes, obviously, because of the Bayern Munich interest ages ago. Um, but like he's he's had chances, but he's been playing like a wing-back position. Next week, he was playing on the wing. Um, he's been... Obviously, like there's clearly question marks over like his, his oh, he'll, he'll be his gone at the the season, um, Like Tuchel gave him that freedom when he first came in. You saw him. He, he, didn't, always, take, he didn't take his chances. Though. He was always giving him up. He was always like he was always. You always thought, hang on a second, he's going to take that player and he's going to build his team around him. He sees something in him, mm-hmm. and he just never delivered. Like he got given all that opportunity, that he didn't necessarily get. He got a consistent first game time. Wasn't just in the Europa League. It was actually Prem fixtures. And it just never really gelled. Like he did a lot of okay things, but when you've got such such competition that we are having for those positions, like you can't just do okay. You have to be extra outstanding, especially. He, he got given chances. He didn't take them. Yeah, I think yeah, that's literally yeah. the deal. When who's your Who's your loser? See, I, I, I half of me would even say Werner. Like mm-hmm. the, th- the weird thing is, Werner. He plays actually, nearly every game. Yeah, Werner's come good, but like from what I expected, like to the, to the Werner I expected to what we've actually got. If he's come, if he's come good and he's still getting game time, then how is he a loser? I the, think in the in the in the general consensus of the entire season, you've yeah. got to think in the last what in the last seven or eight games, you've especially seen what he come in as. But he had a drought. For, yeah, I think I think the problem is with Werner is that. In in the Bundesliga, he was absolutely electric. He could win games on his own, mm. and then obviously he got this tag of being like an awful finisher. I think if Werner had taken chances, which the Werner from we saw from Leipzig, you expect him to take, mm. he'd easily be top scorer. Who's, who's your winner then? Who's your winner? Mason Mount. Yeah, yeah. Same with you. Yeah. I'm going to go Tuchel. 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 He's, yeah. he's come in. He's had well, how many months has he been in charge now? Uh, oof. it's not many he came in just after the Wolves game so. so so bearing in mind he's had so. next to no time again I'll put on the screen how many games he's won and drawn and lost um, he's had near enough no time to really rest and actually coach the players and he's implemented a completely different system defensively you're fantastic he's had literally no time to, to implement that properly mm-hmm. He's either come in and told them that they have to do it and they've adapted really well, or he's just an they've looked quick. They have, they have looked quickly. Like um, you are, you are a very, very hard team to break down. You've gone from where were you in the league? Like eight, 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 eight with Lampard to third, potentially could could be walking away with a Champions League uh, trophy. Yeah, Tuchel's got to be the winner for me, hundred uh, percent. Let's move on to Leicester. Up and down. Less is a weird one because a month ago we'd we'd say something completely different to what we're going to yeah, say now. Yeah, they they get into that time of the season where they've they've got a few hard fixtures and they they're looking they're looking nervous. They're currently sat fourth. We don't know what could happen. I've, uh, 
I mean, Leicester, Leicester have really good owners if we're going to go back into that. Like, you, yeah. you know that Leicester will get investment in the summer. You know that even though, even if Brendan Rodgers does fall out of it, they're, they're going to back him again and they're, they're going to um, reiterate with him that he is the manager. Um, obviously, he signed a contract like a couple of years ago. Um, so I think, obviously, Rodgers will get the timeline. He's proven that... He's a world, he is a world-class manager and he improves players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just struggle from depth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about certain players when they're not playing well or if they get injured, um, that's when you have question marks over Leicester. Like um, like at centre-half, I'm pretty sure they played Castagna at centre-half. Yeah. Oh, he's um, a, like that, that um, Amerti, who... Is a CDM who plays centre half. Yeah. He's not even at that good CDM, and they they invested a bit of money in him. Um, yeah. Mendy, who's a, again a CDM who really hasn't kicked off. Um, I feel like Leicester do struggle with a bit of depth. Who's your who's your loser? It's really hard to pick a loser. Winner is definitely Ian Acho. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's no. Who's debate. your loser from the the Leicester squad this year? <laughs> I, the, the, the issue is it's very there's not been any notice to be like we're, we're going to struggle I'd say I'd say Perea yeah, he's been injured though it's, it's, yeah I know he can, he can still be, it's, it's I, difficult to choose I one. think some teams we, we shouldn't force ourselves to be mm. a loser because like a team like Leicester that have been very very good this year and are starting to struggle that's going to influence us at but also, also when you think about the reason I'd also choose Pereira as a loser is because Castagna has come in and he's been great. He's, he's been really, really good. And I, obviously the injury doesn't help him. But he he was one of the best right-backs in the league last season. He, he was he was amazing. Like he, he I remember one goal he scored where he ran past like four or five players and then curled it in with his, with his weak foot and scored a really, really good goal. Um, and then obviously he's... He's gone backwards, but it's obviously because of the injury. But I think mm. it's further compounded with um, how good Castagna's been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall for Leicester, it is and quite all, a hard one. We're all in agreeing that City and actually is the winner from that season. Fofana. There's Fofana. an argument for Fofana. Um, I'd say it's between Ian Acho and Fofana because, like what we were saying with some of the City players, where they were like, Right, like he's had his chance. Like, if he doesn't prove himself now, he's out the door. Yeah, I feel like Ian Nacho was at that point. Yeah, 100%. and and then all of a sudden he's just woken up some point in February and been like, "I am the best striker in the <laughs> in the Premier League." He's always had that. You see him at City. He always had that talent. It was just consistency. He could never. He was he was a youth product yeah. at City, and they they gave up on him, which is probably why they just took a bit of a paycheck for him. Let's mm. uh, let's move on now to. Potential Champions League players <laughs> next year in West Ham United. We'll start knocking through these pretty quickly now because obviously we've got bloody mm-hmm. loads of teams to do. Um, West Ham winner for me, David Moyes. Mm-hmm. See for me, I'm gonna say Lingard. I know it's I know it's a very recent thing, but I just think for someone personally who's never ever been a fan of Lingard, I've always seen him as just some TikTok guy. Yeah. Just yeah. like just almost the worst, the, the worst possible thing of like what modern football's come to, to someone who is genuinely talented, done played out of his skin. And you know what? Fair play to him. He's made a name for himself and he's done well. I yeah. think the problem with West Ham is you've got so many. So I'd say 
Susek has to be up there. Yeah. Shufal. Yeah, Shufal. Antonio's Antonio's next one. We're not doing a team of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Ogbonna, he's been good. Yeah. Why why do you think Jesse Lingard's had such an impact at West Ham that he couldn't do at Man United? Because I think he's he's got the... Yes, he had the, uh, the foundations at United, but obviously he also had the problem of having to either get Bruno, Rashford or Martial or, or a player like that or Greenwood out the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was so much negativity around his situation at Manchester United 100%. being heckled from the fans, obviously his personal problems, stuff like that. So I think it's a combination of he needed fresh freshness, but he needed to go into a team in a system where he was just allowed to express himself. And with West Ham United, it, it looked like with David Moyes in the first couple of games just said, you're going to get a few 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 games, you are going to get some minutes, try not to think about it too hard, just go in, enjoy playing your football again. I think that's I think that's why he's done so well, because David Myers has revitalised him in, in terms of you're actually better than what you think you are. You've got to a stage in your career where, and he said he said himself to Jesse Lingard that he wasn't enjoying, he was happy to just sit on the bench at United. And mm. he, he wasn't enjoying his football. He's probably got his hunger back for football, I think. I think that's what David Myers has brought back to him. And like we've said there, the whole West Ham team, barring the last few results, obviously, he looked past um, in the in the game against Ever- in the game against Everton. He, he looked he looked really really. The whole team it. does. The whole team looks passionate for football, and they, you can tell that they really want to be there. Yeah. Obviously, they're missing Declan Rice massively at the minute. Um, loser, loser for me again. It's it's hard. It's hard to say. I, I genuinely don't think you can. I think Hello? the whole West Ham team's being. I know he's. I know he's. I know he's not. Yeah. I know he's not there now. But he, he basically got shown the door really, and then I think he. I think you were at the time where it, where it comes to an end. For mm-hmm. for me, for me, the loser, and he's not really a loser. Is Ben Rama. Yeah, I was literally just about to say See, Ben Rama. The thing is, I would have said the exact same thing unless you remember last week when they were playing against Burnley. I've well, never yeah, seen someone so electric. Like he's he's a he's a quality player. He's just not being given the time this year. But that's due to other players playing better than him. Mm. That's it. Well, yeah, like you were saying a long time ago, that he seemed like a very one-trick pony. So I think he was always going to struggle in the Premier League. He'll come um, into his own in the next mm. maybe year or two. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, Liverpool. Uh, it's it's been a difficult season for Liverpool. They've been injury prone. <sighs> beyond belief in one specific position which is which has hindered them more um winner i'd say salah purely on the basis of he's really really starting to show that he is one of the best premier league players that's been in recent times yeah he's 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 had a bad season and his team has had an even worse season and he's still top scorer that's the thing like he's still been hitting the goals when you've got, left in a position where the team and even, even, then there's, even then they're saying like, oh yeah, he's, he's unhappy at the club. There's rumours about him leaving, which it's I think I think with... could I think that's fifty fifty at the minute. See, even then he's still he's still scoring. Who's your sorry? Yeah, for me, this is the thing. I, I'm going to say a bit of a controversial one for loser now. I think Sadio Mane. Hmm. Yeah, I, have I, I think Sadio Mane's really just not pulled his weight this season. He's he genuinely looks like he doesn't want to be there anymore. Him and Roberto Firmino. For me, for me, it's been like that for a couple of years. Not I existing players this year. I don't know, like you say, I don't know if they they know that they're they're ready to leave or. That's the thing. Like you look at that, you always had those front three, which always were played electric off each other, yeah. and now you just see it. Salah's literally pulling all the way. 
And yeah, everyone used to get a bit annoyed at Salah because he used to take that extra shot on where he could have passed. Mm -hmm. But you don't blame him now because he seems to be the only person up front going actually going for the goals. Like, I think a, a winner as well from this year has to be Klopp and the the adaptation that he's done for. And, and I know I've said a manager from literally nearly every single team, mm. but he's had to adapt to a norm that he's not been used to it at other clubs. He's had no centre backs. He's had to play. He's captain at centre-back at some points who's never played there before. Jets played Fabinho at centre-back who's never hardly ever played there before. Fabinho's done a hell of a shift. To someone who's not a centre-back, it shows how much of a utility he's I'll be, I'll be excited to see what Liverpool are about next year when they've got Van Dijk and Gomez back and potentially keep Kabak and who... Because they, they are going to invest in the summer. That's that's pretty much yeah, a certain... Um, let's move on then. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll not through these two quickly. Tottenham and Everton, pretty bog standard seasons for me. I feel sorry for Jose Mourinho for being shown the door in the midst of Super League crap. I'm, I'm happy that he's got the job at Roma, though. I feel like that league and that team is going to be very well suited for him. Yeah, You've got the offensive you, possession. No, Syria is really, really tactical and. Like that's why people find it boring because it is a lot more tactical than is is Jose Mourinho's time in Premier League done? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I can't say. But that. also with the players he's going to take over, I think he'll actually enjoy working with Smalling again, and I think he'll love Jacko. I think Jacko's tipped to have a really, really good season next year. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like he's a he's a typical Mourinho sort of player. Um, but yeah, so winners for Tottenham, Harry Kane. Got yeah. it. Um, loser Ndombele I think Ndombele has been solid to be fair I think it actually he's been playing very and well and I, I say Ndombele because he's actually had a yes he's had a love-hate relationship with Mourinho yeah, but it's, it's but kind of been he's, a knock on for Ryan Mason as well and Ndombele I think was in danger of his just in general reputation as a footballer going and then he's he's had a fairly like solid, yeah, solid season, and obviously now Mourinho's left. That's why I think mm. he's uh, well. Ryan he's a Mason, for some reason, Ryan Mason doesn't seem to like him. Either. I think it's an attitude issue, personally. But yeah, it must be. Uh, the other loser has to be Vinicius. They brought him. Mm. Yeah, they brought him in, and he's not been able to do anything other than play the FA Cup games. I think they, I think they brought him in just in case Harry Kane got injured. Yeah. He's been pretty lucky this year with injuries as Harry Kane. Uh, loser for me has to be Gareth Bale. He's done. Next to nothing about. Nah, he's, he's been good. He's been good in recent weeks. Obviously, mm. like I think he wanted to go back to the club, but I think one thing that was holding him back was obviously working with Mourinho again. Yeah. But you, I, I get obviously Ryan Mason. He's a really inexperienced manager, and he's probably at the minute just trying to please a lot of people because he is seen as like a mate to a lot of the Spurs players. A loser, me, a loser for me as well as Ledley King. How Ledley King has not got that job over Ryan Mason when Ledley King was on Jose Mourinho's backroom staff. I wouldn't be surprised if Ledley, Ledley King got offered it, to be honest. But, well, if he has, then Ledley King's either said, no, I don't want to do it, give it to Ryan, mm. or he's been completely overlooked. And I just I just don't understand it. At least for me as well, Danny Levy is a tip. Absolute idiot. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Everton, Caloanchelot's men. Uh, well, I, I, it started well, didn't it? It started, started very, very well. It started amazing. It looks yeah. like we're going to fly. Dominic Clavelloon, banging goals. He's, 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 my, he's my winner without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can. Richarlison or DCL? 
Donald. I don't think you can pick anyone else. Allen's been a bit poor this year. Mm. He's been injured for he's, a he's, bit. He, he's been a mixed bag. He's had some games where he's been solid, but then he's also shown See. his lack of like awareness. For me, I've got to say <coughs> that my biggest loser is going to be Pickford. I, I genuinely don't rate the bloke. I think I think that, no, I think he's great. I, I just think that great goalkeeper. Nah, he just doesn't. There's so many things, like even this perfect example this morning, I literally opened my phone up to a video of him giving a penalty away to Habits, and you literally see him, and he's like, why are you rushing there? Like, Habits is going towards that side, plenty of time, and you're rushing people, people, table, people slate Pickford and say, oh yeah, he has like lapsing concentration, but most keepers in the league have lapses in concentration. I think some necessary criticism. So, so do I. I, I, think, mm. I think it's his label as a Mackham as well. Yeah, I think that doesn't help him. But now I, I rate Pickford, and I really, really hope he's England's number one because I don't think Henderson has, has had enough game time this season. I don't think Pope's ready, and yeah. I don't think with the way we're likely to play, Pope is not going to be ready because Pope is used to having at least five or six players blocking the goal. And mm. um, he's not going <laughs> to. Sure, he's, 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 he's not going. He's not going to have that comfort yeah. in in the Euros. So for me, Pickford is undisputably the number one. And yeah, I think he's a great keeper. Loser is difficult again. Um, I see I, the way you could argue on one side that it could be even like Hamez for one part's been incredible, but on the other side, being non-existent. Yeah, has he proved what what he actually expects it to happen? Right. For me, a winner is Ben Godfrey. His first season and has been solid. Mason Holger? Both. Both mm. fantastic. Yeah, loser, loser, I'd go to Corey. Okay, yeah, let's move sorry. on. This is going to be uh, interesting, Josh. Arsenal. A winner for me. Winners are easy. It's Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka. Yeah. Bukayo yeah. Saka was good last season, but there was a period this year where he was a main player. Um, obviously, we had the cloud with Urzel leaving the club, and we had that problem with the creativity. We know Sabah is nowhere near good enough for the club. Um, nobody expected, and nobody was even calling for him to come into the team when we played Chelsea. And like people were calling for Willock beforehand because he was playing really, really well in Europa. And then he got the chances in the Premier League, and he wasted them. He didn't take his chances, mm. which is why we were happy to send him on loan. But yeah, with Smith Rowe, nobody was really calling for him to come into the team, and he came in and he just started dominating games. And we were like, "Wow, like this kid is good, and he's he's he's, he's proven it. He's, 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 he's shown he's shown that." Uh, long term he can play that number 10 position mm-hmm. and yeah. he's been playing on the left wing for the large majority of the game since Erdegaard's come in as well mm-hmm. so yeah like I'm that, I think that's the only good thing about the season is that we've shown that we do have the youth that's the thing and the youth up, talent, up, like up and Niles, you've had Willock and then also now you've got Saka in this season you've also got ESR like You've genuinely Martinelli. Yeah, from a youth perspective, you've got a lot of positives, and if like for the future, there's a lot of I guess Bal- uh, Balogun, who most people won't know of, obviously unless unless you know a lot about Arsenal. So Balogun is is seen to be like the next like big striker for us, similar to what Eddie and Ketia was like a couple of years ago. Like everyone's calling for him now to get game time because we've got next to nothing to play. Who's for your but, yeah. Who's your loser? Arteta, because I do feel like with certain, yes, like some of his stuff is questionable, but in he's, what he's, sense is he a loser? That's what that's what you've got to ask. Because 
we are still a club in transition on and off the pitch. Um, he has had to deal with a lot of injuries from various various players. Um, like, you're so you're so like stone faced and like you've practiced this. <laughs> yeah. No, no, because I know I know that some people now look at Arteta and they're like, now like he's just a B tech. He's just Pep Guardiola. For I, Bush. Think, I think uh, Arteta's time at Arsenal's. I I I I think if to. if it was any other big club he'd be gone. Oh, uh, he'd be gone. Yeah, but Arteta was never brought in for instant results. He was always brought in for the long-term projects, which think, is why I think he's still in the job. Do you think the all the shit that's been going on with the Super League and things like that has saved his job a bit? No. The fact that Cronkies and I a lot I of think pressure. I think his stock with the fans has gone down. Because he he has not particularly with the fans. I mean, because Kroenke's under such pressure from the fans. Yeah, if he, he was if he was to now sack Arteta, be yeah. that any manager, if he was to sack any manager. Well, 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 the, well the thing is, sacking Arteta doesn't sort out the problem whatsoever. Sacking Arteta is only a good idea if the board if the board and the and the owners go as well. Yeah. Like our problems are not just on the pitch. Our problems come from on the pitch come from the last two or three years. Off the pitch, mm-hmm. um, Party hasn't. He he started well, but yes, he's had injuries. Yes, he's had fitness problems, but he's not been the player that we expected him to be. And like in glimpses in games, he shows his quality, but he's he's already got that bit of Arsenal win in him where mm-hmm. you expect a lot from him, and you know he's this world class player and he's proven it before. But all of a sudden, like. Recently, he's, he he can't he can't pass a ball. No, that was the thing you saw him at the game of the weekend. I've, I've honestly never they were calling for him to be subbed at about sixtieth minute onwards. And yeah. I, every I time don't have anything to add on Arsenal. I think it's pretty obvious yeah. that you are in a transition period. It's a very very poor transition period, Marad. You There's no sh- chance in hell you should be that low down. I ultimately, I just hope that Arteta knows where the problems lie in the team. I don't think he does. I don't, I think that's neither, ne, ne, neither do I. I don't. Mm. The thing that alarms me about Arteta, obviously he, he did so well at the back end of last season. He He's not learning from his mistakes. Yes, Willian showed his glimpse of quality um, against West Brom of all people. But yeah, it doesn't look like Arteta's particularly learning from his mistakes or... Or it's just that he's just not happy with the players he has in the team. Obviously, there's there's talk about uh, money being invested uh, from the Cronkies in the squad, but we will we will see what happens next season. I, I think, think that's a, a good a good. The plan. next the next oh, what the next the first ten games of next season are going to be very telling because I feel like if Arteta hasn't won. Obviously, it depends on like if we play. It depends on the teams that we play, but I think the minimum he needs to win is six games in the Agreed. first out of the first ten. Yeah, because if if we're like seventh or eighth and it's 10, 15 games into the season, there's gonna there's gonna be a lot more trouble because it, it's really gonna be proving the pudding that Arteta that doesn't. So at that point, mistakes. he's had literally two transfer windows to turn his team around, make it his, and if he can't still do it, then the question. I don't is think he makes it to the start of next season. To be honest, no, no, the board, the board will keep him. No, no, but I think, I, I think the board, the board will keep him. They will give him another transfer window. But I think if things haven't changed, he will get sacked in the run up to Christmas. 
that's what I think the board will do because they have brought him in to be a long-term project. They, we would have gone for an experienced manager if we wanted instant results. Yeah. But obviously, with the club knowing how how much of it, it's in transition, I think even the board knew that the next couple of years were going to be rocky and we were going to have like at least one bad season like this. Obviously, we didn't expect it to be like a mid-table finish. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens next season. But I'm happy to for him to stay over the summer. Right then, let's move on to the mighty Leeds United. Well, let you say that one. <laughs> Go on, he's been itching for this one. <laughs> How long do you have, boys? We don't want to spend too much on the small team, yeah, do we? Yeah, so yeah. it's about two minutes. Uh, Leeds United have come up from the Championship and are currently tenth in the league. The smile is. Do you still think he's going to finish ahead of us? So basically, Keir Big Bollocks Burrow decided that. Before you tell him, how long ago did I put this back? Uh-huh. How long ago? Did you I put, put it on in like was, January, February it, it time. You, 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 you were brimming with confidence at this. It was Arsenal. You were so cocky game. about this earlier in the season. Two points. Two points, if you look at it. I'm, I Look. I'm not saying that we're going to finish above you because we've still got to play Chelsea and I'm not looking forward to that game. <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't looking forward to it early I, in the season. Yeah, we no, still, no, we, that, yeah. we still smashed it to I, day, I thought it would come to this position in the season and that's why I put the bet on because I knew that you had really hard fixtures coming up mm-hmm. and I knew that we had fairly easy fixtures. One, one, thing, one thing I'll credit Leeds for in the last couple of months is that you're not so health held for leather anymore mm-hmm. in your games yes you've still got high press yes you still play really really nice football mm-hmm. but there's a lot there's a lot more like calmness to your play we've we've you can control the game a lot better than you were it's not conceded six score seven we've score, shown yeah, we've shown everyone else that isn't a Leeds fan that we actually can defend is what we've done i think it's just bielsa's stubbornness which is obviously one of the best things about him but he's he's, he's, he's shown his quality in that it's not just a team which is high pressing and all that. It's a team that actually can defend as well. Yeah. Yes, I uh, I do have to say that Ellen Road has turned into a fortress, an absolute fortress. I can't wait for fans to be there next season when fans are in. I'm not I, looking uh, forward to going going there and trying to trying to get points there, but I am looking forward to when, seeing when fans are in Ellen Road this year. That next, well, yeah, this year. Um, Newcastle, Newcastle Leeds, either game I cannot wait for. It's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. That's the one thing I think it's like Sheffield right down. We're just not having fans. Like yeah. those little clubs, like clubs especially. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on to the New York clubs, the, the rubbish auction clubs. Well, well, well. Who's the the winner for you this year for Leeds United, George? Bamford, because Bamford. Um, Bamford. Pe- he'd obviously <laughs> he'd, he'd had his thing, he'd, he'd had his thing and been given a chance at Chelsea but obviously Chelsea being so cutthroat like he was never really going to get too much of an opportunity um, Middlesbrough he was a flop let's not get away from it oh, he's, he was a flop he, <laughs> he was alright he, he, he's shown in this Leeds team that he is a quality striker who can play at the top just signed a contract extension as well was he? that was the question it was going to the season can Leeds, can improve, more importantly, can, can Patrick Bamford make that big jump up to Premier League football? You look at Charlie Austin, lethal in the Championship. You look at Mitrovic, lethal in the Championship. Yeah, these are all very, very good Championship players. You bring them into the Premier League and they just not exist and they score quite a few penalties, but that's about it. And he's really turned that around. My, my winner has to be Stuart Dallas. 
I literally can't even. I wasn't even aware of him first half of the season. That's the thing. Like, where has he been? He's been in my fantasy team since like week four. He's he's basically what he is is just a bit part player for every single position on the pitch. I think he's played everywhere but goalkeeper over the last. He he will be the next James Milner. He's mad. He's literally is the next James Milner. But he's been fantastic for us. He's like nearly our top goal scorer as well, which is Kai Saka with the man bun. He's not, he done not have a man, but... Oh, right, okay. Oh, we did. There we are. Shows how much I know about Leeds. Things are available, I tell you what, I did watch you... I did watch the first half the other day, and you were great. We were fantastic over the Yeah. Spurs completely crumbled against yeah, us. Yeah, I saw the Rodrigo goal such a chalk and cheese, Jekyll and Hyde kind of moment, though, compared to what we were like against Brighton. That's the frustrating thing, that. Yeah, but a lot of people were saying that you were, like, you were... Uh, worn out a bit, so maybe no such thing. Time no such thing. This whole Legion United wear out things a lot. Who's the loser? Rodrigo for me. I think uh, yeah. big money over the summer. He was your first big signing. He was the person who was like, "Whoa, ho- he's been massively re- injured." But yeah. I, I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, for me, what about like your wingers? So your um, Tyler, Tyler Roberts. Tyler Roberts. I'm down. I think he's out of his death, but I think that that's a bit expected. Like I think with Rodrigo, because he had How's such the cost a price tag. Tag. How's How's the cost been all right? It looks like he's played his last game for Leeds United, which is which is upsetting. But surely that makes him the loser then. Yeah, I, th- I think Tyler Roberts held the cost that would be put up there. Tyler Roberts for me, I, I think he's out of his depth. His end product's pretty shit. Um, <laughs> he doesn't bring anything. He's new. not a Premier League player. I don't know. He's got potential, though. Um, the likes of Robin Cock and uh, Laurenti and stuff that are coming, Rafinha have just been amazing this season. Like It's, it's very, very similar to, to Chelsea that we brought in loads of players, and I would just not expect them to dwell in and, and, and work mm-hmm. as well as what they have. And they have. Um, Marcel, Marcel Labiels is God. That's, that's it. We don't right, we're to, done. We're done. We don't have to, we don't have to say anything. Right. He, is, he is the winner of the whole Premier League. Nothing else. Right. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's do the next three knock them out uh, quickly. Okay. Uh, winner and loser for Aston Villa? Winner, I would say Ollie Watkins. Loser. Loser is a difficult one. I think it's quite easy for me, loser. I'm pretty sure it's a shooting line. They've had they've had a lot of. I say they're, they're, they're like all all their signings for me have done well. Um, I'd say weirdly, I'd say like Traore just because you you expect more from him. Mm-hmm. So I think Watkins has proved himself being absolutely class this season. Winners has a few. Loser like I, I, I've watched is, quite a lot of Traore. Is close, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I've watched Sorry. quite a lot of Traore this season. I'm in fantasy, and he just looks out of shape. Like he just doesn't look interested. Moment of magic against Man United. But, world, yeah, yeah, but he just doesn't look interested a lot of the time, doesn't pick up. I think that the main loser's got to be Barkley. He's been given that freedom, been given that time, gone, right, okay. You never never got that time at Chelsea, here's your time, prove yourself. He's been getting a bit more matches and he's just looked more. I think that's an absolute issue as well. Uh, I'm yeah. probably... was it, he was in good form for a bit, but then he came back from that English. Like not... yeah. But with Grealish, it was with Grealish. Like you take, he needs to step up when Grealish isn't playing and he's been given an opportunity to get a lot of it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big summer in terms of uh, in terms of transfers for Villa because they need to make sure that they use this money they get from Grealish wisely my uh, loser is Morgan Sanson because I brought him in on fantasy football and he's still not played more than 12 minutes of football so <laughs> uh, Wolves winners please 
Losers, you can say the entire team. Yeah. I want winners first. Um, finding a winner out of this Wolves team. Connor Cody, Connor Cody, because he's got into the England, England national team this year. Um, I'm going to go Prudence. Yeah. Loser. Uh, God. Traore. Um, Traore. I think Fabio's still Oh, actually, there. I'm doing Traore as a winner. Yeah, 100%. Traore. Traore is a winner? Yeah. Why? He's been fantastic. He's, he's scored majority of Wolves' goal. Goal, goal the other day was good. I think I uh, think I think you could probably say the losers Nuno, the manager. Shit. I, I think that this whole Jimenez, team. Jimenez is a massive yeah. loser. Jimenez I mean, you can't huge. really say he's a loser. You're, you're a loser for cracking. Yeah, yeah. You, can say, like, you can't exactly say you're a loser for that. Like, if you take that out, the fact that he's been injured has impacted Wolves massively, which makes him the loser. Yeah, but same with Nuno. Yeah, I think that like they brought in Fabio Silva, and he's obviously he was very much going to be there to learn off. He was wasn't going to be a starting striker consistently, and they they've needed him to be that, and he's just been absolutely dreadful. So I think it all has to be on Nuno. Palace, Palace for me, Zaha winner for me. I'm, no, I'm I'm putting Zaha, I'm putting Zaha as my loser. Also, as a brought him in fantasy football. I got minus 12 on my transfer this week. Eze brings in 14 in the first game. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, Eze's um, been a hell of a story. Eze is the winner for me and Zaha is the loser. I'm saying Zaha's the loser because it's just shown that he is far too good for that team. And I feel like he's almost been held hostage it's past that. Years. It's past that stage now I'm getting a big money transfer as well, I think. Like, obviously, there was a big interest from us, but like we, we couldn't lump all the money together. Like We didn't want to because obviously we want to play for pay for all our players on finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously we couldn't afford him. Even Everton put in like a, a £70 million bid, which was a really good offer. Um, I think Palace would take that right now. But he's, I feel for him because he's been held hostage at that club. Yeah. They've they've held on to him. And even then, they've yes, they've got Ezek, but other than that, they haven't really brought in players who are like consistent and reliable. And now he's just sort of stuck there in a position that I don't think benefits anybody now. We can see it. He just gets frustrated every game because he always just is surrounded by points and wood. Like, as a very, very good player, I think he's like my favourite like, story the, of the season. As he's the flip side because he doesn't always turn up. He's come up from the championship and he's shown his quality and he's shown he's not just a championship level player. Um but he's also been given this environment where it's okay for him to fail and it's okay for him to be inconsistent. Mm. Some weeks he starts, some weeks he doesn't. Um, but obviously, like at the weekend, he showed his quality. Loser for me has to be the fans. Um, they're just dire football. <laughs> Palace are just a club, just dead in the water. They're just mm. doing nothing. They don't go any further than 10th, 11th. They don't go any lower than 16th. From the seasons, the season ago, they finished like eighth or ninth, didn't they? Well, yeah, one season every what ten. Yeah. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for him, and I think this is going to be the last season that they are like this. I think um, they're going to be in transition now. I think yeah. obviously Hodgson has kept them solid in the league, but they now need to go in a different direction. I feel um, they need to get Zaha sold, get as much money as they can for him. They need to get a new manager in. I think they need like a new way of playing. Yeah. I feel like Eddie Howe, a manager like that or of that sort of ilk, would be great for Palace. I feel like Neil Lennon's going to come, which they, would be uh, disappointing, yeah. very underwhelming. For uh, Burnley, winner, please, Mister Paxton. 
Sean Dyke just just a bit of a G, isn't he? I think yeah. The fact <laughs> the fact that Sean Dyke managed to keep that team at fourteenth, and you look at it, he doesn't get funded from the board. He's almost quit multiple times because of the board. Yeah. Like he is just the epitome of someone who is that stubborn who just won't fuck like leave the Premier League. Like he, I think that genuinely when he goes. Burnley you can you can tell it. he loves William Andrew Burnley. He loves the tag and the reputation which him and Burnley have. Yeah, I think like, he just he, don't he, like the, the fact that he has literally pennies to spend. Yeah, uh, loser, please. Oh, um, and me, maybe. I say Vidra. Vidra's. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know anybody. The fans, again, the fans again. Lotion, maybe? Mike Lotion's been alright. Um, Newcastle. I mean, you can say Steve Bruce would win it and lose it. Obviously, I say it to annoy my flatmate who detests Bruce, but I I feel a little bit sorry for Bruce. I'm not calling him a winner. I'm not calling him well, a Well, I am. I'm going to call Steve Bruce my winner from this season. For because I, I think he's actually done a good job. He's, he's saved him from relegation is what he's done. But he's gotten into relegation. It's like the epitome of just well, like, we've never them, hammered them down. And then, <laughs> well, but I've brought you back up any, again. Don't any, worry about any, it. Any club, if, you're, if you lose your two best players who are a cut above um the rest of the squad, then you are going to have a really hard time. Yeah. It's like if Spurs lost Harry Kane and Hume Son, Son yeah, yeah. and they only played like 30 games between them this season, you wouldn't blame Spurs for finishing like the lower half of the table no, because you know they've not got the quality. Newcastle is that times 10. Yeah. Like some maximum, yes, like he's a step over merchant, but it, he, he is showing that he does have that final product and obviously he influences every game that he plays. Wilson, has his stock's gone up as well. Yeah, um, Wilson's he's, fantastic. He's, he's shown that he's a clinical finisher and he's lost a bit of his pace, I think. He's lost uh, that like sharpness. Yeah. But he's yeah, improved in other ways. And I think Bruce has improved players as well. Yeah, yes. Mm. yes. And uh, New, Newcastle fans hate hearing that because at, the t- at times the football has been dire. It hasn't been fun to watch. But then you watch them like... It just won't change. 4-2, mm. man. It won't change. The, the, the way that they play and the manager that they're getting and the style of play that they're getting will not change while Mike Ashley's in charge. And I think the sooner the Newcastle fans say... Uh, this is us now. I mean, obviously, when it gets bad, they're going to complain. Every fan would complain. But I, th- I, th- I think the yeah. one thing that annoys me about Newcastle fans is they bash Bruce constantly for the really bad results, but then they take the good results with a pinch of salt. Like, um, obviously, Leicester is recent in the memory, but I know they've had some other like really. They always did draw see. against Tottenham. Like the fact is, you get a draw against Tottenham when they were in a game where they should have lost. I watched it. They should have lost four five one. But you bring you brought on Willock. Willock then goes up the other end and scores. Like his, how he's played with Willock has been amazing. Like they've always gone, don't bring him on Willock the pitch. He needs to so, play more. But look at Jota. Jota was the example of someone who's super sub. Yeah. And then the play for ninety minutes does nothing. For yeah. me, the winner is Joe Willock because <laughs> Joe Lennon. <laughs> no, definitely not Joe Lennon. Because Joe Willock has is playing in a system which suits him. He's a mm. box-to-box midfielder. So in our system, if he was playing in a 4-2-3-1 and he's starting, he can't play CDM because he's not a defensive midfielder. And I don't think he's got the 
yes, he's a powerhouse. Yes, he's a runner. Yes, he's a physical player. But when you compare him to like Smith Rowe, for example, yes, I know he's got way more goals and like way less minutes, way less time. But for me, Smith Rowe has way more technical ability than Willock. I don't feel like with where our club is going, Willock is it ever going to fit into our system. But the best thing about him in Newcastle when they play a 5-3-2, which I actually really like when Newcastle play it, I feel like they're quite good in it, or like a Mm -hmm. 4-4-1-1. It suits Willock down to a tee, and especially when it gets subbed on in the 60th minute. So he's got got everything there to do well. Plus, hopefully we'll get like 30 million for him in the summer. Again, I'll add in the the overlays of uh, how Newcastle have been performing with Willock in the team, because I think that'll be a good thing to show. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the bottom three. Uh, Fulham. Winners and losers, please. Losers, definitely. Manjo. Scott. Scotty. Scott Parker. Because I think he's a class manager. Um, he's been on a massive learning process throughout this season. Um, he's he's tried different things. He's And a lot of the games, they're just like... They, they play out of their skin, they dominate the games, and then it's like a stupid mistake. And I think that's epitomised by the Aston Villa game. They dominated the game. Um, I mean, I slipped a tenner on Aston Villa, so I was delighted that they ended up, ended up winning. Um, but they, they were dominating that game, and they, they had like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes between, from like the 60th minute onwards, mm-hmm. where they just fell apart. And it's just like you can you can do all all the work you want through the week, but with stuff like that, you're just like, what can I do? Yeah, yeah. So, Same for me that Scott Parker has to be the loser, um, but I also think he has to be the winner to the point where I think people he deserves have, better. I think mm. people have started to realise now that he's actually a really good manager. Just full like, of it's just not clicking. Going into November December, it was like free falling where they're going, and then all of a sudden they started playing a bit better football. It was almost like the pressure was off in a bit of sense. Yeah. He got, got got more used to his team, but knew knew exactly how he wanted to play them. And you just look at it, and like the thing is, like there was a stat that we, literally as the game was warming up, that Mitrovic has had scored three or five goals in 55 Premier League shots. Like, you look at that and even a standard striker, you'd expect him to at least be bagging 10, 15 goals off that. Mitrovic is, like, at Newcastle, he was a player that they relied on and mm-hmm. they, they would go to see him go and it's the same with, like, Rondon, where he's not an attractive player. Like, if if you're thinking about, like, the upwards projection of a club, he's not a player who's going to stick around for long. He's very... He's a Sam Allardyce player where he's there to do a job. Mm. Let's talk about Sam Allardyce then. Um, do you want to make sure that's still recording? Big Sam. Oh no, it's not. It's not right. I'll have to go back through there. But uh, full. Are you press play that? Yeah. Right. Let's talk about Fulham then. Loser and winner for me has to be Scotty Parker. Um, for me, I think I think the reason why he is both is because. He's finally realised that uh, people have started to realise that he, he is a good manager and he's he's too good for Fulham. Um, mm. I can see him going to to a bigger club in the future. Absolutely. I I think he'll. I disagree. I think he'll stay at Fulham. I think the club know they've got a good manager, so I don't think they're they're going to do everything they can to keep him. Mm-hmm. I think they will. Obviously, they're going down. Um, well, the issue they have is that they're going down. They'll come up. They'll come up. 
but I think he'll, I think he'll uh, give them a really strong season when they do come up, and I think they'll stay up. Mm. Um, I hope so. But I like, that, I like it's it. just so game after game. It's just that they they get so close to winning or, or they, drawing. They play, they play out their skin. They dominate some games. Like they gave City a really good run run for their money like a few mm. months ago. And then the the main game that stands out for me is Aston Villa, mm-hmm. where they would dominate the game until like the 60th, 70th minute. They won a lot. Yes, it was a lucky goal, but like obviously you need your luck like mm. to stay up when you when you're in a relegation scrap. But then. Like it wasn't even that Villa played well. They just they got a lucky goal. Premier League experience. And then and yeah. then they and then they lost their heads and then by like full time they're like three one down. And like Parker can do everything that he can, like midweek, he can pr- prepare the squad, he can individually coach players, but with stuff like that, he he just he, I bet he just looks at his team and he's like, What can what, I, else, what, what else, else can I do here? Is it a prime example where you've got something where you've got someone who's that quality, but when you don't have the quality to match it on the pitch, then there's only so much you know, there's only so much coaching, so much down you can tell someone to do something. I do, I do feel bad for him. I feel mm. like he deserves better from the players that he's got. Winner for me is Anderson, the centre half. Yeah, I agree with that. Quality player. I like that. Uh, let's do winners and losers from uh, from Sheffield United and West Brom. Then uh, we we could go into loads of detail on this, but I don't think there's much point. I think we've done Lose, it already. Loser, uh, the manager, or from um, West, West Brom. Who's, who's your loser? Who's your Livermore? Loser? I think Livermore. Yeah. I, I think he's actually Sheffield United. What are we doing? This. But this is for West Brom. West Brom. Oh, right. So I think I think Livermore's been absolutely horrendous, to be honest. I think the winner has to be Pereira. I think Pereira's actually played out of his skin. He's looked a very good player. He'll he'll get he'll get a move to like a mid table sort of club, but I feel like maybe in Everton, you know. Maybe I I was I was gonna say Everton, like no, we are this season, but um when we've got Smith Row. Um but no, uh, Pereira is. He looks like he's a luxury player. He looks like there will be a bit of an attitude problem. Bit of a ben Ram, Ben Ram, right? I think. But he's he's shown this season how good he is. I'd love him at Leeds. Mm. I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. He's, he's good penalty taker as well. I'm pretty sure only Bruno. No, who, only, only Bruno will have more pens. Chef United. Uh, loser uh, Chris Wilder yeah. could be the loser Lundstrom because he was great last season and he hasn't been good this season yeah um, I think Ryan Brewster I think the yeah I, I, the fact that there's nothing he didn't score I don't think he scored a Premier League goal yet no and the fact is you've got you've got that's the biggest issue with Sheffield United like they can't go every single season so like last season what they'd do is obviously they'd get to the box they'd bring the centre-backs forward they play an extra through to the extra man play it across. Now, last season, McGoldrick couldn't score and that was the main issue that oh, McGoldrick was on. No, he was an absolute workhorse in the sense that he would do so much but the only thing that. he couldn't do was put it in the net. And it was like, like all the fans, everyone ran back home was always like, I can't, it's a proper love-hate relationship on the one hand, my striker's doing all this good stuff but he's also not putting in the yeah, net which is costing us and you can see this season, they're always trying to be too cute, they're always trying to take a time when all they needed is someone just to actually just run, hit the ball, take a chance. Yeah. Like Brewster, they expected that. They paid big money. They've got burned. Like having Ramsdale in there as well. Like the weird thing about it was Ramsdale's looked absolutely dreadful this season, but he's actually made, I think, one of the most, if not the most saves in the Premier League. Yeah, which, but that's just because he, he gets so yeah, many Yeah, he shots. just gets so many shots in, but it just shows that the defenders have no faith in him. Like obviously losing Henderson's been a huge loss for them this last season. So. My winner is Sander Berge. I think he he'll move to a big club. 
He's quite young as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. And then lose for me, Chris Wilder left the club down, down in the water, left at a stupid time when they could have, and it would have been a miracle, but they could have still saved themselves. Yeah, a uh, bit of a dick move for Chris Wilder. Anything else to add? Or do you think that's it? I think that's a comprehensive Winners of Chelsea for. Yeah, let's down. do let's do uh, overall winners and winners and losers. Make it quick. Chelsea, Chelsea are definitely winners for obviously West Brom going down. You know. Yeah, I think I mean, uh, they, they won't they won't get smashed in the league now. So yeah, he has to get one in, didn't he? <laughs> I, think, I think Chelsea are the are, are the, the key winners this year. I I'd, I'd, I'd agree actually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those teams. We're not going to agree. We don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> losers, losers in terms of team, I'd say Brighton. I'd say Arsenal. I'd say. Uh, mm. I'd, I'd probably say Sheffield United given they finished yeah. last I'd, time. I'd, I'd, yeah, Arsenal are obviously in the one. Yeah. Alright boys, yeah. oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's a really good... <laughs> it's a really, 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 really good it's, it's just, It's just manners and I get ridiculed for it. Yeah, really interesting episode. I think... Uh, Kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> we'll do a, an end of season review at some point going into the Euros because that's... Uh, the Euros is going to be fun. I can't wait for that. So. Uh, once again, thank you very much to Tom from Circa 88 for the shirts. Um, if you, yeah, move. If you want, <laughs> way, if, you <laughs> if you want in. I mean, they just look delightful, all crumpled and creased now. If you want in football shirts, um, be that new or old, then uh, check the link in the description. Uh, until next time, goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you, boys.